Welcome to our COP26 impression series. My name is Yanis Beller, and I'm here on the ground of the Sustainable Innovation Forum in Glasgow, happening alongside COP26. In this series, we're harnessing impressions of COP26 and the Sustainable Innovation Forum. I'm here today with Rhiannis Griffiths from Federated Harmis, Senior Vice President within Harmis Infrastructure. Thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Yanis. Thank you for having me. Rhiannis, um, why, why are you here from Federated Harmis? Why am I here? Great question. Um, so at Federated Homies Infrastructure, we manage around 4 billion sterling, mainly on behalf of UK and European pension schemes. And within our team, we are hugely motivated at the opportunity to be part of the whole economy transition to net zero, whether that's as stewards of our assets, encouraging decarbonisation of the portfolio, or investing in solutions. So what are your key takeaways from the Sustainable Innovation Forum so far? Today's day three. Today is day three, and I think my takeaways fall into two buckets. There are, there are things I'm very hopeful about and very impressed at, and there are obvious concerns, not with the conference itself, but with the broader state of affairs. And I'll, I'll start with the hope, if that's all right. Please do, please do. <laughs> so I've been very impressed so far at the diversity of expertise, both within organisations and amongst organisations. We've got probably for the first time at scale, engineers, ecologists, finance community, lawyers, all talking the same language and concepts are being integrated in a way that they haven't before. So we've got nature, we've got equality, we've got climate and that integration of expertise and subject matter is, is resulting in a hopeful, holistic discussion around what we can all do to, to change. The other thing I'm hopeful about is there's been relatively limited discussion about the outcomes of actual the actual negotiations themselves. There's a real sense that we can't wait for that, that we need to act now and not be determined by the broader policy environment. And I mean, I went outside actually and talked to some of the protesters outside the blue zone and one of their key asks is act, stop talking. And we, there's real recognition of that within the conference too. I think one of my key takeaways is that while we need to stop talking about ourselves and, and, and what we're doing, we do need to keep listening to each other. The extent of collaboration required to achieve net zero amongst public and private actors across national government, local government, debt, equity, corporates is unprecedented. And unless we keep listening to each other, that action is going to be hindered. And there's real recognition of that. So that's hopeful. The, the final key takeaway, I think, from a hope perspective is, is that everyone can see collaboration requires trust, which then brings us to a conversation about disclosure and transparency. And the consensus here seems to be that A, transparency is essential, that's not particularly controversial, but B, that selective presentation of the positive and the achievements is almost worse than no presentation at all because it can erode trust. If you, if you avoid talking about the negatives, if you avoid talking about failure, if you avoid talking about the challenges, it can erode trust. And trust is needed for that cross-economy, cross-human collaboration that we need. You, you mentioned that. We, we have the right people in the room. You, you spoke about trust. Uh, what do you think is missing at the moment? Where, where are the shortcomings or where are the areas where we need to do more, possibly? In terms of trust? 
in terms of trust or in terms of other elements that, that are needed to translate this um, enthusiasm that, that, that you've mentioned in, into the action that you, you say we need and, and that there seems to be a consensus in overall that, that we require. Yeah. What's the missing link? So, I mean, in infrastructure in particular, we are to an extent dependent on policy and policy ambition to be able to create the change in the short term that we need. And I think there, we're of the view that the UK, the UK government isn't being ambitious enough. More ambition would help us. It's not an excuse not to act now, but the greater ambition by the UK government in the infrastructure space would be helpful. As I said, public-private collaboration, again, in infrastructure is essential. So we would love more dialogue with local authorities. We'd love more dialogue with developers. We'd love more dialogue with different parts of the, the private sector. So we can listen to the things we're all trying to achieve and, and work together to solve them. I am a little bit concerned about the scale of change required in the hard to abate sectors. I think, you know, it's not necessarily a missing link, but it's such a huge part of the economy and infrastructure is addicted to steel, infrastructure is addicted to concrete and cement and chemicals. And I heard on a panel yesterday that most progress in those areas is likely to be seen after 2040. That's too late. We need to be considering mixed solutions, carbon capture, abatement, carbon removal, and we need to be considering those now for those hard to abate sectors. And it's not a, a one-shot fix. Um, we need mixed solutions and we need to be discussing those. You mentioned the, the UK needs to do more in, in the space of infrastructure. You've mentioned transparency earlier. Um, there has been a lot happening within the UK more recently with regards to transparency. Are we on the right trajectory there or do you think on transparency we also need to do much more? Um, I guess US Hermes uh, asset managers uh, rely quite a lot on data in, in that sense. We do and I think the UK is more advanced than potentially other countries on the level of transparency it mandates. One of our challenges is that the pecking order tends to go banks, asset managers, investors, listed companies, and then private companies, and we operate in the private infrastructure space. So a lot of our focus from a stewardship perspective is encouraging and facilitating that disclosure of actual emissions data, actual strategies amongst our companies. I think transparency is one part of the picture. You can talk about disclosure all you like, but what disclosure is meant to do is then enable further action and challenge and criticism. And it's there, I think, that, that the next step is, once you're disclosing, once the data's there, what are we doing about it? <laughs> and, and addressing those in tandem is, is what we're trying to do. So you mentioned you, you are motivating your the companies you're working with for further disclosure. So do you do you think that there is that role for the, the private sector to motivate itself to create its own checks and balances and drive that change forward in the absence of, of sufficient regulation in this space? Absolutely. Yeah, as, as, as investors, you know, we're looking for that information and when we're trying to create that information to better enable decision making around risk and opportunity without data without disclosure it is difficult to manage risk and make decisions and we, we can talk about TCFD specifically you know there's four limbs governance and metrics being two of them but risk and scenario analysis and management is the real the real meat of TCFD 
and within our infrastructure portfolio, it's where we've been focused with our companies. What scenario analysis are we all doing to assess risk and then what are we doing about it once we've identified it? Disclosure is necessary, but the action underneath it is what's really important. One question in, in, in the sense of uh, stepping away slightly from the UK perspective, of course, COP26 is the reason why we're all here. What would you like to see coming from that global stage that could help fast track the process? We'd like to see ambition. We'd, we'd like to see targets that keep us on a path to 1.5 degrees. I think I've, I mentioned that there's almost a sense that, that we can't wait for that. It's not, it's, it's not an, an excuse not to act, but that political will and political commitment is really what will support private sector action. The other second point I'd raise is, is around that 130 trillion private sector commitment to fund net zero. That's great. And it's a big part of the conversation. There's limited conversation around funding rather than financing the transition to net zero and where public funds are required, which they are to either enable that capital to go where it needs to go or to sit alongside that capital. There's limited discussion around where that money is coming from and how we as the private sector contribute to that public pot that's so essential in the transition. Tax, as the obvious answer, is still under the radar as a topic. It's being discussed by people like Oxfam, people like Tax Justice Network, but within our space, it sits as a different part of the ESG bucket, if at all. And I think it's really important that, that on a global stage, we're, we're talking about that topic and where all the public money is coming from to enable a just transition both between countries and, and within countries. So if you have to summarise, 15 second call to action, what should we do next? We should act now and stop talking really, um, is my call to action. I think as investors, which is my real perspective, um, it's easy to become overwhelmed by the science, by the technology, by the scale of the change, but there are so many things we can do right now in infrastructure. We can influence 1,000, 10,000 decisions at our portfolio companies every day. And the decisions we make every day will resonate for 100 years in infrastructure. We're, we're very long dated kind of asset class. Within our portfolio, we can approve CapEx on electrification of kit, cranes, vessels. We can influence governance structures. We can integrate climate targets into executive comp. We can influence on a daily basis decisions that incrementally keep us on the path to 1.5 degrees, assuming that's still possible. <laughs> so uh, my call to action is is bring in the motivation that, that has, has been created by these two weeks into your day job, into our day job, and integrate it into every single decision, every single conversation that we have as investors or companies have as, as, as businesses. And we can do that now. We don't need to wait to do that. Something to take to heart. Thank you so much, Ray, for your time. No problem. Thank you.